weeks into a series. This is what the start of a series feels like. You know, before you're exhausted and sick of hearing about it and wishing it will end. This is, say, like, say for this bit, this is the nice fresh start when you're actually still interested in what anyone's talking about. I always think about that at the start of holidays. You know how it's always the end of holidays? Like whenever you think about them, it's like, oh, here at the end. Why didn't I take notice at the start when I had it all in front of me? Um, This is the start of a series, and we're doing a series on what to do with prayer. And the reason we're doing a series on what to do with prayer is because as um, people who are part of our community and as people who help facilitate our community, Rod and I ended up having lots and lots of conversations that eventually weave their way to one of three things, (laughs) the Bible, sexuality, or prayer. Um, And so we thought we'd spend some time on prayer at the start of this year. Um, And it seems like our community, many of us have got to a place where we don't really know what to do with it anymore. Um, Many of our community have had... um, very active and enthusiastic prayer lives in the past. But as time has gone on and as our view of God has transformed, the way that we prayed doesn't seem to make sense anymore with the way that we view God. And so lots of people kind of are reflecting back that they feel at this kind of like odd juncture where they're going, I, you know, either I don't don't pray anymore and I don't really want to, (laughs) so leave me alone. Um... Or I really miss prayer, and I wish it was more of a part of our community. One of the conversations we've had over the last, I've been here five years, and we've had this conversation so many times, people going, it'd be really nice if we prayed for each other in church more. I'm like, I reckon so too. Would you like to be a part of that? No. (laughs) No, I don't know what to do with that, but someone should, you know. Someone should should be like part of the motto of our community. Someone should. (laughs) Um, not me, someone. And so we would like to, as a community, to, you know, lots of us have kind of got this, like this um, inner itch of going, I've had some time apart from prayer, but part of me misses it, and I'd like to know what to do with it. Um, but we can't kind of get there until we deal with a bunch of the questions that sit underneath why prayer is difficult for some of us. Um, some of that involves how does God work in the world? Um, who is prayer for, what does prayer do, what should we expect of it. Um, And so what we're doing in this first few weeks before we start talking about um, a range of approaches to prayer prayer and some ways of thinking about how God might work in the world is getting like a bit of a cross-section survey of our community by doing some interviews. Um, I am not a fan of um, anyone dropping down from on high um, (laughs) what should be done without first knowing what the what um, the context is, because I think context is everything with um, following Jesus in our everyday lives. So we really want to talk with our community and see what questions emerged out of the conversations that we had. So we've got um, a bunch of people that we'll be interviewing over the next few weeks. And today, um, we've got the wonderful Tamsin and the wonderful Mark, equally both equally wonderful. So you can welcome... You can welcome them up, and I'll try not to crush my microphone cord. So I smell. Hello, you two. Um, I meant to tell you beforehand, but um, we've had vigorous complaints 
that the interviewees have not been holding the microphones close enough to their mouth. So the podcast people who are all very entitled, I don't, I don't show up, but I expect, you know, to be able to listen. Um, <laughs> throw, throw in bricks. Mm, some fingers being pointed already. Mm. Uh, so, so we'll be, we'll be monitoring micro, microphone techniques. But other than that, relax, you know. Um, so in the, in the interviews, our aim is not to have people who can tell you how prayer is supposed to look. Um, our aim is to get an idea from our community what prayer actually does look like, whether it exists or not, um, what their experience of prayer is, so that we can um, together ask questions about prayer at the end of it. So we have a series of questions, and they'll be up here. Um, but for you guys, I'm going to ask you them. Maybe you'd just like to introduce yourselves so people know who you are just in case they don't and uh, there's going to be like a, a battle of modesty going on here where Tams is like oh not me first and Mark's like oh not me um but we'll just try and move through that as quickly as possible because we we already know you're humble I'm used to hear it uh my name's Tamsin I've been here at this community for about three years I arrived in our in our church narrative just at the end of the sexuality series. Um, so I don't know how many years ago that was, but we just measure our attendance according to the sexuality series. So I came just at the end. Um, so everyone was talking about it and I didn't know what they were talking about. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, post, whatever we call that, post that. Um, Does that make you more or less sexually dysfunctional? <laughs> wow, we went deep very quickly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, sorry, that's not one of the approved questions. So you flag... Like that, right. Um, yeah, I live locally and I work locally. And my name's Mark. I came here for the sex as well. Um, <laughs> no, um, I'm, a, I'm a refugee from South Melbourne Church of Christ. I followed Rob and Katrina and Sally and Andrea over and came just at the end of Steve's, oh, and, and um, Ruth, and came just at the end of Steve's reign. <laughs> We've got rid of the throne and everything, right. so, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I've been coming here since then. Um, I live in Carlton. Yeah, it's very lovely having you both here. So we, you can um, sort of just jump in in any order you like and um, interrupt each other if you choose. Um, but we start every question with a very Christotypic, come on, being a question of, um, of was prayer a part of your childhood? Um, yes or no, or if so, um, what did prayer look like? Um, my folks, they were part of the Lutheran Church and they were part of the charismatic revival with this tiny charismatic revival within the Lutheran Church, which was not warmly welcomed. Um, and so they felt incredibly connected to God through this charismatic movement um, and then very castigated by the church, suppressing it, very hurt by it. And they were sort of part of a group of people who were asked to leave the church because of it. Um, and so we grew up after all of that, and in the post-trauma of all of that, they were committed to not putting pressure on us in a faith capacity. So they um, <laughs> didn't want us to go to church, sort of. They didn't want us to be burnt or hurt by the church like they were. So we didn't really talk about church or didn't really actively pray as a community. It was all had gone underground at that point. Um, and I sort of knew that my mum was, you know, had this charismatic side, but it wasn't let loose in our house until a little bit later. Um, so we didn't really pray much in the house. We were sort of, it was kind of this unspoken space of connected in part to the church but not going to it 
and not practicing what it decreed on us. My parents were sort of finding God in alternate ways. Um, my mum did include, I must have been about seven or eight, <laughs> whether she had a, a prompting or something to, um, to teach me the 23rd Psalm and that we would learn it at night. Um, and so we prayed it every night. And if you know the 23rd Psalm, it's not very much asking. It's more sort of declaring, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, my cup. So it's kind of declaring truth. So we would learn that off by heart, and then we would, she would ask me, um, "Have any of the? Have you noticed any of these things in your day where you felt um, God leading you through dark places?" So she kind of was a nice little practice of memorization, but also reflection. Um, and then later on, I think I saw a bit more of her charismatic prayer, speaking in tongues, powerful intercessor warrior, um, which sort of freaked me out. Um, so maybe that's why she kept it underneath um, and why the church asked all of that sort of thing. But um, so that I just then observed that was probably my relationship to prayer as a kid. Um, so I wasn't born up a Christian. So my dad is Maltese, so therefore he's Roman Catholic and he married an Anglican. And in those days you could get married, as long as you signed the kids over that they would be brought up Catholics and you could get married in the back of the church. <laughs> So we now. got signed up to be Catholics, but my parents were quite nominal anyway. So my only, my first experience was the, you know, that very Catholic formal part of the catechism. So it would be the Lord's Prayer and Hail Mary. And then you'd have to do them as prayer was penance. <laughs> so you'd go and tell the priest, bless your father, I've sinned, and he'd say, do three Our Fathers and five Hail Marys. So yeah, really good start to prayer. How, <laughs> how long since your last confession? <laughs> bless me, Father. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be here a long time. Okay. <laughs> um, any any first memory? You may have felt like you already covered it, which is totally fine. But anything anything that kind of stands out? Yeah, I guess um, it's sort of this kind of you've got to kind of claim of what is your view of prayer? Is prayer um, communication or connection with the divine um, as a prayer or a receiver of a sense of God? And um, so I think. Just giving that as a disclaimer, um, my first um, encounter with prayer was I was about five years old um, and I'd encountered quite a traumatic experience and I remember feeling very overwhelmed and at a loss and kind of didn't really know what to do with all these feelings that were going on and confusion. And this very calm voice, I thought it was a voice or a sense, just said, um, it's going to be okay. When you're old enough to understand, we'll come back to this. And it just brought with this, I remember being, feeling like it was a very grown-up thought and feeling quite chuffed by the, that I had quite a grown-up thought in such a moment. Um, but it did bring a great sense of peace and, and that sense that it wasn't just suppressed, this event, but it would be dealt with, it, it would, I would come back to it when I could um, and had the capacity. So that was my first encounter of something that I now interpret to be a sense of the divine or love coming to help me in a moment of stress. And I had a, a similar thing, um, even though I wasn't a Christian and I thought you know, God was a bit nebulous out there, but um, the first time I'd taken LSD, I was um, scared and I was like, oh, God. I thought you were going to say six. No, 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 LSD scared. first. Uh, um, and I was like, oh, God, look after me. And exactly the same thing. He was like, oh, it's going to be okay. And then years, years later, um, when I was taking lots and lots of drugs, <laughs> I came home and um, some of my friends had become Christians and they would, you know, tell me about God and God loves you and all that sort of nonsense thing. And um, so I'd had, had like weed and 
USB and I was drinking and I had my my bong was actually a praying lady and you'd put the thing in and I'd so I was very religious. <laughs> it was a sign. And then I remember I got back and I was like looking in the mirror thinking, oh my goodness, what's going on? And I could see the reflection of me in the mirror of the mark in the mirror in his eye. And I, and I sort of was like, oh God, I'm not doing a good job of looking after myself. And so it was sort of this, that was, because I wasn't going to church. And that's sort of when I sort of became a Christian through that sort of, that was my prayer, even though I didn't know how to pray. Just asking, oh, can you look after me, was my prayer. And again, he just looked after me. That's beautiful. Um, so, you know, this is, this is a potentially meandering question, so answer this as you will. But um, how did your relationship with prayer develop over your life to kind of get to the place where you are now? And you can kind of choose whatever highlights you think are appropriate or inappropriate, as the case may be, um, to kind of tell that story. But... Um, you know, one of the things this is getting at is kind of what's what's changed in your relationship with prayer as the years have gone by. Um, yeah, so I suppose for me, you know, like prayers like that relational communication, and um, and so I have lots of different types of prayers as I have different types of relationship with God. So when I want, sometimes I'm like the child, I want God the Father, so I'll be like, eh. <laughs> and sometimes it'll be like. Um, you know, like I catch up with my friends. If I haven't, I'm missing someone, I want to develop our relationship. I'll say, oh, let's go out for a coffee or let's go out for a drink. So sometimes it might be that sort of chummy, let's sit down and have a little chat. Um, sometimes it might be, you know, that sort of I'm feeling under a lot of stress. So it might be like, you know, strong, powerful God prevail for me or I need cash God or, you know, all those sort of different types of... So prayer sort of changes depending on the nature of the relationship that I'm having. So um, that's sort of one thing that has developed... And um, I remember trying to think, you know, there's all those attributes of God. So they sort of match the type of prayer that you do. So I sort of, because I want to be in relationship, so it sort of matches the God, the prayer. But then, you know, you're like, then who do you pray to? You know, do you pray to God? Do you pray to Jesus? Do you pray to the Holy Spirit? Do you pray to other people? The meandering story. So kind of as a child, not praying much, except sort of with my mum in the evening, but then sort of all nothing didn't really sense the need um, after sort of a radical conversion-y type of experience at sort of 17, 18. Um, I found my way into quite a charismatic church of Christ where prayer was big, but it was the prayer of like, we're going to pray for four hours um, and you're going to show, like you, we had these massive prayer sessions and you'd yell and pray and you'd wail and and you sort of get swept up into that really, I got it, after a while you sort of don't buy it anymore, you're like, I'm just exhausted. I don't feel any closer to God. This is just hard work. Um, but we used to get up at like five. We were like committed. We were like part of the young, committed people who would pray because the rest of the church were old and, you know, weren't as committed as we were. So we'd, go, we'd get there and, um, yeah, you'd, you'd, the more passionate by yelling and screaming, the, there was this kind of you felt more holy. And um, so we did that um, until I kind of – then I went to a YWAM um, and – there used to be these um, wrist badges, uh, things called PUSH, so P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. Um, and This is my non-judgmental face, by the way. <laughs> and I... And I uh, Notice no, no reaction to oh, any of this. Okay, I cringe at this, but I was at this point I was a bit more jaded. And at YWAM you just have these monumental screaming sessions 
and you'd pray until you felt something happen. And I was like, what's happening? Is that I'm bored and I don't buy it? Like, so I, this is an answer to the prayer. Like, you, they didn't disclaim it enough for me. I, I was the beginning of my judgmental, pessimistic, sarcastic stage. Yeah, probably then. Um, but I used to escape and I would wag prayer meetings um, when I was at this Bible camp and go and have a coffee. And then the pastor would come and find me. And I felt like I was spr- sprung, like, because I was there kind of just being cool in a cafe and they're all screaming and he'd usher me back, you know, you got and question my faith. And it would, then it would happen all the way through. I'd go in trouble for wagging prayer a lot. Um, I just couldn't, I just was like done. Um, yeah, and then I sort of, I think one of the things that um, did a bit of study on, um, there's these two traditions called the apophatic tradition and the cataphatic tradition. And it kind of applies to prayer as well. The kata kind of refers to, this positive, a positing or speaking positively about God. And in, I could have understood it in prayer. It's those times of proclaiming, God, we pray for this. We, we use our words. We come together. We use images. Um, we receive. And I've gone through phases where I've been full of words to God and I've been a receiver of very powerful images and being a bit more of a creative person. I think the words don't mean as much as the images that I feel that I've sort of grasped in the theatre of my mind during those times, they've really stuck with me and God has invaded that image and really brought it to life and it's affected me. Um, and that's and I've had seasons that have really been powerful in the that pro, like, speaking um, and I know what to say and I do stuff. Um, and then learning about the cataphatic, which is the negative or in the prayer tradition being where you no longer fill the space with words and noise and and images and putting things into the space. You actively don't put anything there and you feel the emptiness of that space um, and stop speaking and be a bit more of a path, like a receiver, um, which is a very daunting thing because I think the fear of me for not speaking was that God wouldn't actually be there. Um, but if I no longer speak and just either ask a question or I be, <coughs> I be quiet, then God has to turn up and I don't know if that will happen um, and so we then go back to the cataphatic and I go and speak again and fill up all my prayers and but just kind of having the courage to go into this empty space where years and I'd say I've been there for the last five years um, just this my prayer life will be a very um, empty um, people would I think the church has laden it with an opinion about it where that's a negative thing where you're if you're not in a proactive space just in this quiet, just assured that the presence of God is here. Um, and that's kind of it, kind of the complexity of, of that space. Um, but, I, yeah, I've got more courage that the, that space is so powerful and it is an encounter of the divine, um, just different, and it's a bit more holistic and it's a bit more yeah, inclusive of the world around me and the people around me rather than just me and my voice, you know. Beautiful. Um, any... You can kind of pick and choose highlights or lowlights here. Any, any, any pivotal experiences that transform your relationship with prayer or, um, you know, for, for better or worse, that really stick out? Like, you might, have, might feel like you already, already covered it, but um, or anything that you don't really know what to do with? <laughs> Uh, the negative jump out. Uh, my first, um, one of the first negative, exp- oh, more funny, almost funny, 
um, was I was oh, then I'll go into I was going through a, a really dark mental health period during my adolescence, and it got really awful. And I'd be out in the yard screaming and swearing, and it was kind of complex and pretty awful for my family. Sounds uh, like gardening. Yeah, just pretty much me and my gardening relationship now. What the, um, but we had neighbours who I think heard from a couple of doors away this crazy kid screaming and yelling, and so they'd come over to my parents, who by this time kind of understood the complexities of mental health issues and that all the wishes and the prayers in the church were, they kind of received them, whatever, but they knew what, they had a plan of action of how to work through this mental health issue. And um, But then this couple came to the door, and I remember, I was in a really dark place, but I remember them coming, and they had this big, big vial of holy water, and um, they'd come to tell my father that it must be placed on me, um, and they must do it. Um, they must put this holy water as a sign of their faith. They've heard that my dad was people of faith. Um, and my dad looked at me and asked, do you want this holy And I said, I don't want the holy water. And so he said, no, I don't. That's Thank you for your thoughts, but we don't need – that's not how we're going to help her by holy water. Um, and they then argued with him. They said, no, you, you have to be a man of faith. You have to be a, the, faith, the man of faith of the house, and you have to – let us do, and it was this fight over this stinking water, um, and I just remember kind of the, that sort of complexity of will the healing come through a magical christian knee way, or will it come through, at the time it was a mental health pathway, and my dad had chosen to not believe all that magic that they were talking about, and I just remember that was a funny time because of this fight, over, and in the end my dad took it and he poured it into the garden later. Like, it was, like, a symbolic of... Did anything, like... <laughs> green sizzling. A stalk yeah. <laughs> um, So that was my first negative, I think, oh, experience of faith. Um, I think last week we spoke about um, this, uh, speaking in tongues, and my mum, being this charismatic woman, would break into tongues, and, and I was a bit like, what's going on? Um, and then in an encounter, um, in uh, part of that big youth movement of passionate and um, there was a prayer time where in praying to God um, it's almost like the, that connection words weren't enough at that point and there was an encounter with this filling the space with other noise um, and that was accompanied by such great joy I just started laughing my head off and just thinking it was just so wonderful to communicate in a way beyond words um, and and sort of not questioning it just enjoying it um, and then discovering the church's complex relationship with this thing that had happened to me in hindsight, um, which was interesting because you think, oh, that was such a nice thing, but not an essential thing. It was, and it wasn't a defining thing that if others didn't, it was just, I was like, whoa, what is, anyway, so that was, that was significant prayer moment. Um, and yeah, there was, sorry, no, I won't hop on. <laughs> there was another time where I was sick of kind of holding up God in my prayer and I'd got all these words to talk about God. I, if someone asked me who God was, I could explain for half an hour who I thought God was. But then in the quiet, you have that real deep question of, if I just shut up, will, will there be a God? You know, will there be something that's sustainable without all my crafty articulation? Um, and I just was sick of doing all the work. Um, so I committed, I've committed these, like, I've said over three nights, I'm not going to go to sleep until you come and talk to me. Like, I sort of did this, and I was very dramatic, and sitting beside my bed, and just refusing, going, I'm, I'm not going to go to sleep, um, and which I, I, I pretty much kept to, I'm sure I slept at some point, but it was only on the third night, which is probably symbolic, 
um, where it wasn't, uh, I don't look how holy I sound, right? Um, yeah, it was this kind of, that kind of craving for something was replaced by a peace. And that's all it was, was this, this incoming sense of peace. Um, and that to me was a really significant kind of in the emptiness was the presence um, that I had been craving um, that was significant then. Um, I suppose for me, um, I ended up going to Bible college. <laughs> but um, I suppose um, I didn't have a theology, so it was good to learn about theology. And um, that really influenced my prayer because I started thinking, well, God is God, therefore he's everywhere, all the time, there's no time or space for him. So prayer, like prayer time or praying, is redundant. And I suppose some of my Catholicism started coming back because therefore you could also pray for things that happened in the past. Um, And so therefore, if God is always present all the time, then prayer is always. So therefore, everything I do is therefore prayer. And that was really, really freeing, particularly coming from a Catholic background where prayer had to be on your knees with your hands things and you had to say amen, otherwise the person wouldn't hear it. Um, to just going, well, I can just talk to God all the time and everything I do is prayer. So therefore your life becomes a prayer, which is very freeing then when you're not confined by those things of this is why I have to pray and prayer has to look like this. And that even when you're doing naughty things, that's still prayer. <laughs> um, because God is there, basically. Um, so I suppose from that, the theology was helpful in helping me and not helpful in Your microphone slipped, just oh. so you know. Yeah. Sorry, theology is really important to help me learn about how prayer works for me. Beautiful. Um, before we move on to what questions you're left with, um, Anything you want to say about your prayer practice, what it looks like now? You may feel like you've already covered it, or you may want to um, keep that as a piece of private information, but um, but anything about your prayer practice now, that whether it exists or not? Well, I was just saying, I've always lived in a share household, and this is the first time I've ever lived by myself. So now, I'm just yabbering all the time. He's like, oh my God, it's him again. <laughs> Close heaven, he's yabbering on and on, shut him up. Um, no, I'm <laughs> so now I'm just yabbering all the time because if you don't have a formal thing where you say amen, then prayer stops. So my prayers will just keep on, like, I'll just say, hey, then and then I'll have a shower and I might talk a little bit more and then I might go, oh, my God, this is what's happening today. So it sort of just meanders throughout little spaces. <laughs> um, so it's not sort of that structured type of thing. It's very sort of that, you know, it is relational. And because, um, yeah, I'm not really cuddly when I get to talk to you, <laughs> I just get to yabber before God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's a bit more sort of organic and flowy and free. And, um, and I do Your use this sort of again. mindfulness type things where you, um, where I, um, you know, do take those times to actually let him have a bit of two cents worth. <laughs> How generous. Only two cents. <laughs> I'll be like, no, I don't believe that either. I don't want to do that. <laughs> No, he knows I'm not going to do it. So. <laughs> but it's nice to let him think, but no. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, but, um, you know, to that, um, and as I said before, you know, it depends on what type of mode I'm sort of in asking for. So if it's sort of a help me one or, you know, where do I go now or 
um, you know, I'm not feeling good about myself, you know, um, to let that little space to get those sort of reflexive things in. So I don't listen to music in my car. I tend to just yabber on to God, which is good now because before um, mobile phones, people used to think, are they guys talking to music? Because now they're probably like, oh, they're talking to my boyfriend. <laughs> Whereas they're actually talking to God. <laughs> Very good. Um, one of the questions that I still haven't touched on so much is just sort of who are the significant people um, that have affected Oh, yeah, did I miss that one completely? Yeah, That's forgive right. me. Excuse me, passively guiding you back. Lord. <laughs> That's um, anyway, I'll, I'll talk about it kind of in relation to where I'm at now. Um, some key, one thing, I think just the right people have come and the right theologians and the right people just in front of me have sort of showed up just guiding that sort of space of, as we say, it's not necessarily talking but just connection and um, connection with the divine. It comes and goes in different ways. Um, one person that sort of stood out um, in recent years was this guy called John O'Donoghue, which is a poet. He's a poet. He was a poet, I should say. Um, and he would expl- he wrote this book on blessings, which I think we've mentioned here before. Um, but he would he's really beautiful in articulating, and he would see his prayers or his blessings as he would say kind of a raft that carries us from here to that next space, and the words themselves are part of ushering us forward. Um, and some people have gifted in that ushering process, and I've found I've enjoyed writing blessings, even if and the art of writing them is you kind of carrying, using your words, this kind of to guide people forward and to give it to them um, has been a nice process for me. It's kind of not too pre. It's kind of more poets. It's kind of like you sort of get through the side going, I'm not praying for them, just give me a poem. Um, (laughs) And um, so that's been significant. One thing that in this kind of recent time um, of just absence of knowing how to connect and how we're sort of having lost a sense of the divine, it kind of comes and goes. Sometimes I'm keenly aware of it. Sometimes it's it's so deep I don't feel it or don't feel it. Um, and for me, moving um, has been helpful in either just dancing or kind of using your body um, not as a place with which you talk from but as an indwelling space where God is present in has been just because of how I'm made up. That works for me. So whether to just zone into my body and see how is God at work here in this space um, and I have a spiritual director now who's encouraged me to develop a prayer practice that's around the body, um, which is, uh, it's, I don't even know what it's called, but I've sort of crafted this kind of every night. I use some sort of fragrant oil, which just kind of awakens my senses to being present here um, and to go through my body in a way that helps me recognise where I'm at and then letting the space to let God show me what's happened in the day and that kind of quiet space of me, this prayer is aligning my will to the will of God. Um, so it would be in my head of thanking, you know, thank, thanking God for being able to solve problems, being able to think through issues, being able to process comments, thanking God for the brains around me that are doing the same in different ways and kind of just going through that process to my breath that I'm alive, that um, I haven't been plugged into the wall, I'm just a functioning being that has I don't haven't chosen that this breath continues it is just continuing that the words in my mouth um, may they bless those but those words that have spoken to me may the, may the destructive words float past and not embed in my spirit um, but may sort of the words spoken around me sort of guide me um, my heart may I be open um, so that I don't close off from love or don't close off through pain from the people in front of me 
my grief, um, so especially since I lost my mother a year and a half ago, kind of zoning into that grief and seeing what God might say about that um, and giving it the time every day um, in the grief about all sorts of things, my hopes um, and for the future because I can get very dark and depressed, so kind of letting that space for the future and the plans and the people that are waiting in the future for me to discover and then I put this oil on my feet every night. It sounds a bit weird. Now that I'm saying it, it sounds super weird. Please talk to me afterwards. They do look really pretend well that I'm okay. Though, so. What was that? They look, do look very well yeah, moisturized. Yeah, they're so. moisturized. I know. Um, but that my feet would just recognize that I'm here today, that I'm not in tomorrow, I'm not in yesterday, that I'm right here, right now, and this is where my feet land, um, and that I am to be in that space. And so that kind of process that I do each night is followed by a. Um, a moment of silence where God might bring up one of those issues and just talk a sense that maybe like about the words that were spoken, a word might come to me and that's it's kind of like letting God into the space to align myself to God's self um, and that's been a really helpful for me that it's my brain can get in the way of a whole lot of things so if, by letting my body be the guide um, has helped me bypass my brain a bit. Beautiful. What um, what deep dark questions are you left with about prayer, or what things from your conversations with our community do you think we might want to talk together about? Um, anything that you think we should address, or that you're left with? Uh, I think it's the the sort of un, like it's really hard to get rid of your shoulds um, when we're talking about prayer. Like they're so ingrained in us of. We should be praying for somebody else. We should be praying at night. We should be praying in the morning. It's so ingrained. It's try as I might as to try and be like, oh, yeah, my body prayers are okay. There's still a really should be praying for someone who's unwell or like there's, I don't know if we, you got a solution. This is me asking you <laughs> how to get rid of our Christian baggage around prayer um, because it's pretty ingrained. Um, and I think I brought up last week about, prayer for healing being something that it's still again you don't I feel like I don't believe that intercessory prayer changes the physical environment but I still feel like I shouldn't say that and someone might smite me whether it be God or one of you um, for saying that I feel like prayer is a time of awakening us to what is available and at the time it might be medical intervention it might be encouragement so prayer is an awakening time to what and it's sometimes intercessory prayer is part of that awakening, but it's, it's the should. If someone is sick, I should be praying for them. Um, how to get rid of that? Um, I, I suppose I was thinking maybe being about balance, like how do we integrate it into our relationship with God? So what's the balance, what's the ratio, what's the mix? 15 to 1. Yeah, it's a really yeah. difficult question of like, um, but one thing I was thinking was was about, you know, it's one of the things that we, there's not many things we could do for God, <laughs> which is God, but there, there's what, you know, it's one thing that he actually does like and we actually can give him, which is actually freedom. So I thought that was sort of um, something that I like about prayer. It's actually something I can do, contribute to our relationship as opposed to, you know, 